Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 17th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 16, starting with the first paragraph, An Alcoholic in His Cups, reading through three paragraphs, ending with Goodwill to Men. Comments on all. Today's readers are Lynn F. and Nadia B. The share ID for Tuesday, January 16th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 10,923. For the 10 a.m. meeting, Eastern Standard Time, it's 10,925. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ruth W. to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Ruth W. from Oklahoma, compulsive overeater. Um, all right, let me open my book. Um, I'm going to read the 12 steps, and I'm going to find them first. Um, Number one, uh, sorry, steps in here. I am so sorry. Uh, we were powerless over food, and our lives have become unmanageable. Two, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service. Thank you, Ruth W. And I will now ask Lisa S. to read the 12 traditions. Lisa S., press star one. 
be heard? Yes, now you can. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you. This is Lisa S. Indiana, Pennsylvania, Recovering Compulsive Overeater, The Twelve Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Number two, our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Tradition three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Tradition four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups of OA as a whole. Tradition five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Tradition six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Tradition seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Tradition eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Tradition 9, OA as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tradition 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Tradition 11, our public relations policy, is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of of communication. Number 12, Tradition 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever remaining us, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so very much. Um, God bless us all. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 16, starting with the first paragraph at Alcoholic and His Cup, reading through three paragraphs, ending with Goodwill to Men. Comments will be on all. I will now ask Lynn F. to begin reading. Good morning, and thank you, Julie. This is Lynn F. in Pennsylvania. An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. 
our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way of life. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seemingly worldliness and levity, but just underneath there is deadly earnestness. earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. Most of us feel we need to look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Thank you. And um, I'll share on that. Uh, For me, my first meeting that I attended in OA, I could not understand why people were laughing. Um, I was was shocked at that, the laughter that... um, folks shared before and after the meeting and that laughter today is my lifeline um i can go into a meeting anywhere and feel um that connectedness and that um that 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 thread that holds me together and i am there in um deadly earnestness being Ernest. Um, for me, the part, the line that really stands out for me in this reading is that faith has to work 24 hours in a day and through us or we perish. And the faith that um, I have in God and higher power, the faith that I have in my program, the faith that I have that the program will be here for me um, and that I can pass the message every day is is real and alive and if it doesn't if it's not i'm doomed and um for that i'm grateful i'm grateful to get on the line this morning and hear friends clicking up and and saying good morning and um how we all pause and we're all here listening and learning and recovering and how when we hang up the phone we're connecting beyond the meeting to um support one another in recovery and to uh, multiply the friendships and carry the message in um in our day so thank you so much and thank you for allowing me to share a pass thank you Vanessa. who would like to read on these uh share on these three paragraphs janice m kim J. Larry. okay Gen Z. quiet uh, last name? I didn't. I mean, I didn't hear that. Gen Z. Gen Z. Okay, I've got Janice M, Larry K, Kim G, and Jim Z. Barbara E. Barbara E. Katie F. Katie F. Dorita P. All right, Dorita P. We'll start there. Okay, Janice M. Followed by Larry K. Thank you. And thank you so much, Julie. Julia, this is Janice P. M. I didn't say that P. Um, yeah, I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And if you could tell me, Julie, I'd really appreciate that. 
an alcoholic no in his cups, an alcoholic in his cups, a compulsive overeater in her food, in her in her addiction. And I'll tell you how that person is. It describes me, a very moody, a very sensitive, a very know-it-all person, a very gloom and doom person, um, you know, a very selfish person. And I could go on and on and on. Um, and, you know, that's not too loving. You know, um, not loving and not thinking of anybody else except where I'm going to get my next bite or whatever I have to get. So it, it talks about um, the doctor, talk. I mean, Bill is talking about, you know, his experience because um, he knows. He was there. He was unloving. Um, and, you know, it's tragic. The struggles with them, with the with the people that I have seen too today, they've, you know, some of them are still in their cups, and they're very moody and debatable and, you know, think they know it. And because um, I was like that, so I could understand that. And, you know, it's a warning, you know, if they're not willing to do this action, you know, things could happen. They could die. They could commit suicide. But, however, you know, it talks about how we're very, very full of fun, and we are. We're laughing, and people are saying, what is she laughing about? But, you know, it, but we're very serious, too. It's like um, I live in Boston, and we have swans on the Boston Common there uh, in the water, and um, they're just so peaceful and serene, and they're just floating like they're floating on water. But their little feet underneath are moving very, very, very quickly, very fast. And um, that's what it reminds me of when we get recovered, um, you know. But but the faith, the, the trust, no matter what happens in my life with my son, with his illnesses, um, you know, it has to work around the clock. You know, God's timing is much different than my timing, so I have to first trust, trust when I'm doing all this work and it's not coming out my way. God doesn't have a timetable. Um, he has his own timetable. He doesn't have a clock, I mean. Um, so this is what's what's happening. It's peaceful today. It's utopia right here. This is what I'm experiencing in my life today. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Julie. Thank you, Janice PM. Larry K. followed by Kim G. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Uh, I'm Larry K. I'm a recovered compulsive reader uh, from Chicago. The uh, what, what stands out to me, he could not or would not see our way of life. You know, surrender is an amazing thing since all action is born in thought. We, we surrender first in our thinking, but most assuredly for me, you know, th this wasn't enough. Our level of surrender was only truly evident in my actions, not my words. And, you know, I, I, was, I, I shared yesterday, but I was, I've been so impressed by this book I'm reading because its application to what we're reading um, has nothing to do with OA, but it's, it's about uh, General Grant. And... Um, you know, the, by way of analogy of the level of surrender that's necessary. And, you know, General Grant, during the Civil War, at some point he had the city of Vicksburg surrounded. And this, this city, what was cool was it was the last major stronghold of the Southern Confederacy. And they, they were seeking, you know, the Southern Confederacy was seeking to preserve slavery as an institution. And the, uh, the head of that was General Pemberton of the so Southern Confederacy. And he had this huge fortress, but he was surrounded at all corners, like I was surrounded by this disease. And this was the last major battle. And, and General, he met with General Grant, and he, he tried to negotiate his conditions of surrender. 
he wanted to take what they call contraband back with them down, you know, to the southern states. Contraband was their slaves. I, I also wanted to negotiate my level of surrender. And Grant said, you know, sir, you're completely surrounded. You know, <laughs> Larry, your Kit Kat bars will destroy you. You know, you're, you're, you're surrounded. There's no room for you to maneuver. You're surrounded. And at first, Pemberton still balked as I balked. He tried to find an easier, softer way, but he could not. I could not either. And, uh, and in the end, General Grant said, look, the only way out of Vicksburg for your troops is by waving the white flag. And I offer to you, your conditions of surrender are complete capitulation. There's no door number three, complete surrender born of action or death. You know, we get to choose. So too with me today, complete capitulation. You know, who am I, try, who am I kidding trying to negotiate my surrender? <laughs> so uh, grateful for this reading this morning. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Eric Kay. Kim G. followed by Jen Z. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked, shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity. But just underneath, there is a deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. You know, I, I remember hearing this saying many years ago, and it said, in AA, they take the disease seriously and themselves lightly. But in LA, we take our disease lightly and ourselves seriously. You know, so what, so what is the attraction of a healthy OA meeting? And Vision for You is a beautiful example of a vision for, of a healthy OA meeting. You know, it's recovery. You know, I, I love this saying that God cannot do for us what he cannot do through us. So, you know, what is my responsibility as a recovered person? And my responsibility is to adequately represent what these 12 steps have done in my life. You know, I think about it almost like a continuation of the third step covenant. The third step tells me I have to bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. You know, my personal experience in a way is, you know, a lot of times OA winds up being junior therapy. And honestly, it's very bad junior therapy. You know, we, we give a lot of advice about raising kids and marriages and trauma. And we try to quote-unquote cure people. And that's not the point. What am I bearing witness to? I'm bearing witness to these 12 steps. Healthy OA meetings bear witness to the 12 steps. But I can say to you, yes, I've had the same difficulties, whether that be, you know, divorce or children or sexual trauma or abuse. And not that I'm going to help you with that trauma, but I'm going to bear witness to you that I recovered and I had those same circumstances that those circumstances don't need to stop you from having a spiritual experience. You know, I think to myself in a healthy OA meeting again, you know, in a vision for you, do you know a lot about the personalities' lives that, are, that share on this line? You know, do you know who's married, has kids, what they do for a living? Well, so what's the attraction again? The attraction is the 12 steps. You know, my personal opinion again, what should a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous do? It should be a big show-and-tell operation telling you what's possible, the hope and possibility of these 12 steps. It should be a cheerleader of recovery. It should demonstrate the clear-cut directions of how you too can recover. You know, this is about identification with the disease, not identification with our life circumstances. So I want to flatly declare to you right now that I know 
from the core of my being that I am a compulsive overeater. This book has defined my problem, my solution, and my clear-cut plan of action. But let me also flatly declare to you today, I do not suffer from compulsive overeating because of these amazing steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Kim G. Jen Z, you're next, followed by Barbara E. Gen Z, star, star one to unmute. Hi there, this is Gen Z, a compulsive overeater in Kentucky. Can you hear me? I can. I should say I'm a recovered compulsive, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I am going to select the same um, words that Kim G selected because they are so powerful. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity, but just underneath there is a deadly earnestness. I am um, much more at peace with myself and with food around me that I am able to laugh now. I'm able to enjoy myself. I'm not white-knuckling it anymore. Uh, And the reason that I can do that is the 12 steps the deadly earnestness that I have worked the 12 steps has given me such peace that I can just be myself and enjoy who I am, my mistakes and all. Um, and it's only because of the 12 steps that, and the fact that I have worked them earnestly that has given me the peace uh, in my heart for me to enjoy who I really am, mistakes and all. Um, faith has to work 24 hours a day and in through uh, 24 hours a day and in and through us or we perish um, faith in this uh, program is not enough it has to work through us in the 12 steps we have to apply the 12 steps in order to recover faith in this program is not enough it has to work through us in our work in the 12 steps and um, I can tell you that I am so much different than I was when I first started this program. I have such peace around, I don't even think about food. I think about how can I love my kids better today? How can I serve my husband better today? How can I be a better friend? You know, I I do that now. Those are my goals every day. Not, I got to stay away from the sugar, got to stay away from the pantry. I am not beating myself down anymore. It is just a blessing, a miracle in my life. And I pray that everyone on this line who is struggling um, with overeating can come to the point where they're just at peace every day with who they are. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Gen Z. Barbara E. followed by Katie F. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much. It's exciting that we finished the next chapter and we're going to begin a new one. Certainly for me, the tragic, the deadly, and yet the comic elements have prevailed in my life. When I came into OA, I would always eat when I wasn't hungry, before OA, that is, and go on eating binges for no apparent reason and then suffer feelings of guilt and embarrassment about my weight or the way I ate. I always ate sensibly in front of others and made up for it, eat like a vulture when I got home. It was affecting my health and the quality of my relationships 
and I constantly needed to have something in my mouth all the time, food, gum, candy. I was absolutely unwilling to admit there were certain foods I could not stop eating. And I certainly followed many different diets, which were immediately followed by months, even years of uncontrolled eating and weight gain. And I've used my bathroom scale to judge whether I was good or worthy. And I played Russian roulette with my food behaviors all the time, hoping that the chamber wasn't the one with the bullet that was going to kill me in the, uh, this time and send me back to food hell. The times between my binges were getting shorter and shorter and more and more intense, and I was killing myself with food. How could this be funny? And yet I could laugh at my foibles with the spaghetti vomiting up out of the toilet when I was trying to hide it from my husband. Last night, for the first time in 18 years, I had a food dream. But I don't know where it came from, but when I woke up, my heart wasn't pounding as it was 18 years ago because I didn't trust my higher power then. My higher power that I found has led me now to overcome my fear of trusting people. So I've decided I'm either in fear or in faith. I can't be in both. For me, my thoughts control my feelings, my feelings control my behavior, and I control nothing. For me, vulnerability and humility are necessary to move forward, and working with others saves my life on a daily basis. Thank you, everyone. Have a blessed day. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Katie F., followed by Dorita P. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And um, an alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. And, you know, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, but I am still a compulsive overeater. I still have that ism in me, and I still can be an unlovely creature. But the difference today is that, um, you know, I have these tools and these steps to use to be brought back in alignment with God. It's constantly um, realigning, realigning. Um, And that's why I'm so grateful that we have this meeting every day and that we study this book over and over again and that we work with others and that we make phone calls and, you know, do service in in many different ways because, you know, I didn't lose weight um, 30 years ago. I lost 70 pounds 30 years ago, and I've kept it off. I've never gone back. I don't have a wide range of clothes in my closet anymore. And while that's all just lovely and and wonderful, I still can get um, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and particularly um, if I'm too hungry, I can be an unlovely creature. But it lasts for about 10 seconds, and then I'm back in alignment um, with my higher power and with the world around me, and not because I shove something in my mouth, but because I'm human and I need nourishment, and when I get my nourishment, then, you know, I feel better. Um, And, you know, we do have such a good time. I mean, I can't dwell on this too much because I live in the middle of of an 800-acre farm, and I don't have face-to-face um, meetings that I can go to. I am, you know, heavily rely upon these phone connections. And, you know, I could close the blinds and binge my brains out and no one would know it. 
um, on these lines. But, you know, that's not what I do today because, um, because this is utopia. This is such a better way of living that I don't have any desire, you know, to go back to that life. I don't have any desire to see how my husband would like it if I was in my disease because he never even knew me. Um, as that person Um, and you know sometimes he doesn't understand how bad it was and I don't have to go back and prove that to him Um, he is you know gratefully I don't I don't need to go back and show um, the world what I could be like if I uh, went back there because I would probably be the poor tragic chap um that's where my disease got me. It took me to a place of wanting to kill myself. I thank God did not have the guts to do it. I didn't um, think it through too far, but it did cross my mind. And today I don't have to do that because I have found this way of life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. And Dorita P., you're next. Thank you, Julia. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Dorita P. from Cleveland, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm really grateful to be here. It's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody, do not get this opportunity for whatever reason. So, take you off speaker. So, for uh, everybody, do not get this opportunity for whatever reason. So, I'm really grateful I have a seat here. Yes, um, so I shared yesterday, and I was real, like, apprehensive about sharing today, but nobody was hardly speaking up. I said, well, let me speak up. Uh, I mean, I love to share, and especially uh, on the ends of stories, too. I mean, they give me, they've given me so much hope. And, uh, you know, I wanted to focus on, um, like, my sponsees and the people who are these, um, what do they call it, uh, uh, unlovely, unlovely creatures, but I was thinking of myself, you know, I was unlovely, you know, I was suicidal, you know, and I'm grateful that I was able to see um, this way of life, um, yeah, this this way of life uh, changed my life, um, I was suicidal, depressed, almost 300 pounds, um, so I lost 100 pounds. I don't say I lost it. Uh, you know, uh, God took it away from me. Um, and, you know, with with, all, with everybody's help, with the fellowship's help. Um, and I like this uh, next paragraph, too. Um, you know, a vast amount of, amount of fun about it all. Yes, I love meetings that have laughter. Um one lady was saying uh, somebody told her uh, how to find the meeting in the meeting, say in the meeting church, but uh, to find the meeting meeting room just followed the laughter. And um, I'm just uh, really grateful for this program, and I'm grateful that I can laugh. You know, um, I, um, you know, my humor, how do you say it, my, I guess, um, I'm not sure how you say it, but my laughter was brought back. You know, um, you know the the disease took my laughter away. Um, so I'm just really grateful. You know, the big book gives us three options: death, institutions, and jails. And like Larry Kay and uh, Harlan G always say, you know, there's two doors. And yeah, there are. And I'm just really grateful that I chose the recovery door. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Dorita P. 
And I'd like to remind everyone that um, just in case you joined that we're on page 16. We read the first paragraph and alcoholic in his cups, reading through three paragraphs, ending with goodwill to men. And who would like to share? Lisa P. Wanda R. Wanda R. Lisa P. Wanda R. I have you, Wanda. Jeanette S. Nessa R. Reba F. P. Reba P. Susan and then before, uh, before Reba P, there was... Um, Nessa R. No, not, not Nessa. It was somebody even before that. Oh, Lisa B. I got Lisa. Gina F. Jeanette S. All right. I'll do Gina F if that was... But if, anyway, okay. Lisa B followed by Wanda R. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, the word, you know, there's a few words that jump out for me, but one is faith. And faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So as a recovered person and just continuing to go through life, I continue to learn and be reminded that I'm beyond human aid. I can't rely on people. And, you know, I've read that countless times in the big book with my recovered sponsor, and I read it over and over with sponsees as I take them through the work. But I'm really beginning to get that message from my head down to my heart, down to the tips of my toes. And, you know, sometimes I have to grieve almost over that that fact that I really can't rely on others. I can't rely on people, places, or things. That it's really about enlarging my spiritual life. And of course, the big book tells me that's through work and self-sacrifice for others. And it's also through um, deepening that relationship with my higher power, which does come through working with others and self-sacrifice to others. But increasing my meditation, learning to sit quiet, learning to just be with the truth that's inside of me. And sometimes I get restless and I, it's uncomfortable for me just to confront my powerlessness over, so, over really everything, you know, that um, I need to rely on that, that invisible strength, that invisible power that I hear through you guys. It's like God with skin on it, you know, which is great. But that, um, that inner quiet inside of me um, is always what's going to be the very thing that carries me through. And that leads me to the word earnestness. And that means sincere, intense conviction. But I felt led to look up what the opposite of earnestness. And it means uh, flippant, you know, disrespectful, um, not showing ser- seriousness, indifference. And, you know, I just think about how I've been a very flippant person, almost aloof, you know, so much of my whole life, just very aloof, disinterested, but of course, deep down, you know, is panic and fear inside of me. But, you know, you just saw an aloof, just detached way. And, you know, that can creep up on me. And like, oh, you know, I'm abstinent, I'm recovered, I'm neutral with the food. But just that kind of flippant attitude the way I treat people and the way I um, can relax almost too much. And I need to remember that it is a deadly earnestness that this illness comes in with subtlety. It's always through a subtle um, thing that is not going to hit me over the head, you know. And then the other thing uh, that I wanted to share on is that word um, faith. And in We Agnostics it says when many hundreds of people are able to say, that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their life. I had to really learn what that word consciousness means. Conscious contact. It means awake, alive. And 
that's that's a choice. That's a decision I make through getting recovered, through doing the steps. My higher power enables me to become conscious. I can't do it on my own. But that's a really important word for me, um, being conscious every day. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. And Wanda R. followed by Jeanette S. Wanda, star one. Okay, well, we're going to go for Jeanette S. Can I be heard? Hello? Hi, this is Jeanette, Jeanette S. S. Oh, it's Wanda okay. Ormandis. It's Wanda R. Okay. Go ahead, yes, Wanda. Go ahead, Wanda. Oh, I'm sorry. I... I I get confused. This is only my second time uh, doing it live. Yeah, I just, um, I used to not laugh. I used to be able to uh, suppress everything and uh, hold it all in. And I've learned to let it out. I've learned to become a better person by um, through abstinence. And I woke up this morning abstinent. Right now I'm sitting in a dialysis chair and um, getting a treatment. And uh, I 12-step someone this morning, you know, uh, this individual weighs about 200 uh, kilo. And um, I said, you know, there's a solution. Uh, I have uh, lost weight and uh, with Overeaters Anonymous, and uh, I'm going to let them know about this program too. But um, I woke up every morning for the past 32 years abstinent, and my life is different. And uh, I have a lot of things going on right now, and um, I just have to be grateful. I have to be grateful that I'm alive and that I can get to meetings and that I have this meeting to go to. And... um, I can be happy that uh that things things may not go my way, but um I have a lot to look forward to, and every day is every day is good and uh I never used to feel that way. I used to feel glum and rotten and bored and apathetic and hostile and uh you know, that was from 14 years of bulimia, and I don't have to do that anymore. And my life is so different, and um, and things things aren't perfect. Uh, I have a lot of testing I have to do at a major hospital to get a transplant, and um, I I cannot surrender to hopelessness. I cannot surrender to uh, to a lack of love for my neighbor. Um, I love people and I laugh with them and I enjoy their company and um, I believe in uh, giving gifts and uh, I give a lot of gifts to people and, um, you know, uh, I embroider and I make embroidery for all the technicians and the nurses at the clinic here, and um, I do that because uh, I love them. 
So anyway, thank you so much. And I pass on from Chicago. Thank you. Thank you very much, Wanda R. And next is Jeanette S., followed by Reva P. and Gina S. Go ahead, uh, Jeanette S. Jeanette S., can you hear me? Yes. Hi, I'm Jeanette S., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Maybrook, New York. Um, These these paragraphs really hit me this morning. It's funny. I said to myself, I'm going to sleep in this morning. And I took, turned off my alarm and I woke up and listened to what was being said. I'm like, oh, that's me. I almost was that poor chap who committed suicide in my home. Um, and I used to say I don't didn't believe in God, that I was an atheist, but actually I totally believed in God, in God that did not, I could not trust, uh, didn't have my back. Um, you know, that faith word, faith was a for, was an F word to me. Um, it, it, I, I didn't have it. I had nothing to do with it. Um, I recently uh, spoke at a, in a speakers meeting. Um, no one. I was moved to speak. No one had signed up, and there was a gal there who hadn't been there for a year or so, and said she remembered me. She said, "This is amazing. You used to be this angry, angry person." Because she remembered me. I have a little stool because I'm short and I carry a stool with me. And she said, now you're giggling. In my share, I giggled. So it's like, here's the worldliness and the levity. You know, the worldliness of, you know, the pain of being at a point of wanting to commit suicide and had turned into levity. And now I'm giggling. Um, this this program works. It really does. Um, my favorite line. This works. It really does. Um, you know, and and faith has to. Has to is my, you know, my must marker color. Has to work twenty four hours a day. If I, you know, one morning I forgot to say my prayers. Forgot my morning routine. And found myself on the road honking at somebody and cursing somebody and telling, asking where they got their driver's license and blah, blah, blah on the road. And I'm like, what? What? What is wrong with you? And I had just that day said to a sponsee, you know, we ask ourselves really good questions, but we don't answer them. And I caught myself doing the same thing. Jeanette, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Like, oh, I didn't have to do my morning routine. And I just burst into tears. And, you know, the humility came in me and my driving Fine. behaved. And if that isn't uh, a witness to this program and it doesn't take that long, you can get recovery. You know, there's no time limit on this thing. Um, so I'm just so grateful that I Hi. am, yes, thank you. And I'm one of those that has levity now and the faith. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jeanette. Yes. 
Reva P followed by Gina F and then I believe it's Tina. Good morning. It's Reva P, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Several things struck me in these paragraphs. <coughs> and the main thing that's striking me is the two opposites, the unlovely creature creature and then not having to look further for utopia. So for me, what's the unlovely creature in my cups? You know, I know um, in a concrete way, it might not be lovely to be overweight or underweight, but I am an unlovely creature um, when I'm white-knuckled abstinent too um, in my defect uh, cups. So um, it, it's, it's no fun. Um, and it's showing me too, what is the consequence? Where is my um, ending point if I remain in the food or in my defects and stay in this selfishness, it's like a warning because the ultimate result is either a slow or a quick suicide. So I, I have that and huge memories of remembering when um, before program. And then this business of looking further for utopia, which for me implies something like near perfect qualities. And I used to use that word all the time, perfect. You know, I wasn't perfect with my food. I wasn't perfect with this, and it's not perfect. And somebody who knows me well is like, get rid of that word perfect. And it just strikes me, um, blows me away how I was like searching for this perfection. But what I thought was perfection wasn't it um, at all. And how this, I can't even put it into words, but following the steps and not having anything perfect on the outside in my life, um, but feeling at peace on the inside. Um, I don't know that perfect is the right word, but like life is amazing without having to be the searching for outside stuff. And how do I get that? I love this business of the simple talk in our kitchen. It's one recovered compulsive overeater talking with another, guiding me through the steps um, and that personal one-on-one -on -one connection um, that gets me to this place. And it's so simple. I just have to follow the instructions. And i got to follow it 24 hours a day because my disease doesn't take a vacation. Um, and then I get this utopia, but it's not what I thought it was, but it's exactly what I needed. With that, I pass. Oh, thank you, Reba P. And Gina F., you're next. Gina, oh, there you go. Yes. Hi. Followed by Tina. We should have. Yes, go ahead. Thank you. Sorry. I am Gina F. Recovered in Connecticut. Um, so I definitely was always searching for utopia in, um, in worldly things, in uh, relationships, in food, of course, in uh, career, in material things. Um, and when those didn't bring me happiness, I, uh, of course, blamed everybody else, um, you know, because I, I was the actor trying to be the director. Um, if only, you know, my husband and children would behave the way I wanted them to. If only people at work would listen to my ideas. And um, if only, you know, my parents would act a certain way. If only I could have the friends I wanted, um, then life would be perfect. Um, and sure, you know, there was laughter in my life, but it was sad 
laughter. It was at the expense of others. It was cynical laughter. It was um, putting others down because I had underneath that core fear that I was unlovable, I was nothing, I was worthless. Um, so it wasn't true happiness in any way. Um, and it never, ever occurred to me that having a relationship with a higher power, that having a spiritual life um, was what I was missing because I was a cynic. I thought that religious people, that spiritual people were weird and um, crazy and, and naive, really, but I was the naive one. Um, so through this program or through my disease, I was beaten to a state of reasonableness, as it says, um, where I had no choice but to find a spiritual way of life or perish. And at that point, I was low enough that I didn't want to go on. And um, through, you know, no power of my own was able to um, reach a place where I could have true peace and true joy and true laughter. Um, and I'm so grateful to have been introduced to this meeting um, and to have met so many of you all and brought you into my life. Um, I do attend face-to-face -face meetings in my area, um, but my experience has not been of uh, seeming worldliness and levity um, with deadly earnestness underneath. As I heard earlier, it's, um, seriousness about ourself uh, and, you know, sort of reinforcing that self-pity that I used to live in. Um, but through meeting you all, I can laugh about my previous exploits um, with the deadly earnestness underneath that I, that faith has to work through me 24 hours a day um, or I perish. Um, so I'm very grateful to be here, grateful for the opportunity to share today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Tina F. Tina S., Followed by Nessa R. Okay, Nessa, why don't you go first? Nessa R. Thank you. Um, good morning. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So, this paragraph and the one we read yesterday. Um, speak to me of a process of transformation, the ugly into the beautiful, the unlovely into the lovely. And this is something that is sure to happen when um, I work the instructions in this book, the 12, step, the 12 steps um, of OA in absolute entire abstinence. Um, but I, I needed a reality check when I came in because I thought, as soon as I put the food down, you know, my my life is going to become perfect, you know. And, of course, that didn't happen. And I thought, well, you know, as soon as I work the steps, you know, my life is going to become perfect. And the truth is, you know, the big book does say, page 83, that there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. You know, uh, how many times did I tell my family, this time is going to be different. This time I'm going to lose the weight. This time I'm going to eat better. This time I'm going to take care of myself. How many times did I apologize to them for screaming, for nagging, for ranting, you know? And so when I finally got it, um, I had no credibility. 
you know, and the damage that I did, I did it over a period of years. You know, the uh, credibility and the trust that I broke, I did it over a, over a, a, a period of years as well. So, you know, it took me a while to rebuild to that. You know, it's not instantaneous that I say, okay, you know, trust me and people are going to trust me. You know, trust is something that um, I earn. You know, it's actually one of those things that it's hard to earn but very easy to lose. And I lost it very easily, you know, to my behavior when I was in my disease. And so I had to rebuild it. And that's why there's a long period of reconstruction ahead, but it's worth it. And what, 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 what that means is that I have to persevere just because I'm not getting what I want uh, when I want it, which is always right now, doesn't mean it's not going to come. You know, I need to persevere. Um, you know, and then, of course, there's, there's, there's uh, things that cannot be righted. I mean, not, not everything that I broke um, I can fix. I will never get back. You know, the time that I missed with my children when they were growing up and I was more focused on their snacks than I was focused on them, I'll never get that back. But, you know, what I have today is, is beyond my wildest dream is so much infinitely greater and better than anything I could have planned, um, than anything I'd hoped for, you know, when I was in the disease. It is so much better, but it does require you know, willingness, labor, and patience. It requires a lot of perseverance and realistic expectations. Things are not going to turn on a dime, uh, but the promises will come through if I work for them, and I did, and I'm so happy that I stuck it out, uh, and I hope that uh, people um, um, do the same thing. And um, I'll be glad I talk. Thank you, Ness. Uh, and Tina, are you on the line? Okay, well, we have two minutes left, so maybe I'll just go ahead and grab it. Julie R. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, an alcoholic in his cup. So a compulsive overeater in the throes of a binge, right, is an unlovely creature. You know, it's something out of really a horror movie. I mean, going from bag to box to somebody's food on the table to throwing it in the garbage, taking out of the garbage, putting it back in the garbage, uh, you know, eating vast amount of anything I could get my hands on, uh, you know, that is pretty scary. If my husband or my sons ever walked in on me, I don't know what that, I think it would have scarred them really for life. But, you know, on the flip side of that, there is a vast amount of fun um, for um, a recovered women, including myself, shared a room at the birthday party, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and talk about fun. You know, we're all recovered. We've all lost a, a, a lot of weight. And we could laugh. They would say, well, you're short because I'm the shortest one. And I would say, well, you were fatter than me. And, or you were this or you were that. I mean, we laughed and laughed and cried. We are, you know, we are a unique group of people. You're not unique individually, but having almost died physically and spiritually to have been raised up and to be able to enjoy life, be able to um, go and go anywhere and be free with the food, the neutrality, and to clean up our past, clean up the wreckage, and to live each day not by self-will, not by Julie's will, but God, what do you want me to do today? Show me who to be. And we, I laughed so much this weekend. 
that, I mean, my stomach hurt. And why is that? Because we've all come from that same hell. And today we wake up free. We go to bed free. Why? Because we did the work. We lived We live in 10, 11, and 12. We went through all the steps in order. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Utopia, you know, the um, it's a perfect life, right? A perfect way of life. Not that my life is perfect, but it's a perfect way. Anyway, it's time, and I will close. Um, the share ID for today, Wednesday, January 17th, is uh, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 10,927. And I'd like to thank everybody who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Nadia B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader in Connecticut. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.